0: Hello, my name's Kenny White, I actually do work here, and um, <laughs> it's good to be back. Uh, Rachel Foote and her team, they gave me a welcome bag, so I don't know what that was about, but uh, it, is, it is good to be back, and I appreciate your prayers. Um, I got the opportunity to officiate at my daughter's wedding, super cool, thank you. Let, let me just say dads, if your daughter comes to you and says, daddy, daddy. Would you, would you officiate at my wedding? The answer is no. It is a big no because there's going to be ugly crying and you can't control it. It's crazy. Uh, so you're welcome, dads. Uh, that's the answer. Also, had the opportunity to speak at a men's conference. There were a couple of first-time salvations identified, uh, several people who recommitted their life to Christ. So thank you for your prayers. God did some cool stuff. And then I got to speak at uh, my previous church last weekend in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And, you know, it was just an out revival. And uh, it was fun, though. Uh, We had a blast. It was a good time. And I am thankful to be home. And I am excited today uh, for the word and to share it with you. With that in mind, though, I am going to ask you to stand up and take just a few moments and greet those people around you. Uh, Be respectful. Uh, and kind, and I don't think I really have to say that stuff, but greet those people around you. I'm going to call us back with some prayer, and we'll get rolling. I even practiced the ending this time. <laughs> That's well, yeah, you didn't have to in the first part. Yeah, I know, I was like, and I, yeah, it was fine. I didn't have access. All right, invite them over for lunch. Take them out. Maybe invite them over to Bill Taylor's house later. Oh, no, sorry. Sorry, not Bill's. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for your word and that it's true. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be together We celebrate what you're doing in our midst, and uh, Lord, even today, we would say, um, we wanna worship you in all things. So thankful uh, for the time that uh, you gave me with my family and a wedding, and also opportunity to speak to men and their hearts, and thankful for the responses, Holy Spirit, that, uh, that you worked. Also thankful for today, what you have for us, what you're calling us to, even as we consider work as worship. We need you. We thank you and praise you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you just not going to finish that then? Okay. All right. <laughs> He's not finishing it. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> hey, how many of you that bothered a little bit? Uh, just finish it. Um, well, I, I ask, actually ask him to do that. And very specifically, there is something within us that wants completion. Uh, it, we, we see it sometimes when... Uh, Someone is playing a song on the radio, or uh, they have their playlist going, and you're just starting to get into it, and then they they change it on you. (laughs) What are you doing? Uh, My heart wasn't ready to move on. I wanted to hear this to completion. It was unfinished. We struggle sometimes with things that are unfinished. And I want to suggest to you today, as we consider work as worship we may sometimes miss out on things that are unfinished. John, the apostle, perhaps that's part of what the Holy Spirit was working in him as he wrote the Gospel of John. Because John identifies something that began in the Old Testament and wasn't completely realized yet in the New Testament. John identified something, that there was this creation that occurred, that there was a fall that happened, and then there was this looking forward to this Messiah. The Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming, but John saw the Messiah. And in a way that he communicates that is different than the way that, say, Matthew and Mark and Luke communicate, John wants us to know, like, this story of of. The uh, creation of the fall of restoration is completed in Christ. And he uniquely and specifically connects us to Jesus. And the reason that that matters is because, the, is because we can work, we can use work as an opportunity to worship in ways that we couldn't before Christ. Uh, John saw in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created And in John chapter 1, he takes some time to say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He goes on to say, nothing was created without Jesus. John uniquely and specifically takes the narrative that is being woven through the scriptures and ties that to Jesus in a way that fulfills everything. And we get to see that in a very specific way today. I, I hope your heart is ready as we look at the continuity of the narrative of the scriptures, the the creation, God's plan, the fall, sin and death, and then the restoration in Christ. We're specifically going to be looking at the Garden of Eden and the Garden Tomb. And I, I, I want you to put your mind there, if you would, just just... Compare and contrast, if you would, in your own mind, in your own heart, and consider there is this garden that was meant to have, that was meant to produce fruit and life that actually gives death. And that there is a tomb where you bury dead people that is for dead people that actually produces life. The juxtaposition in this uh, in the scriptures is amazing and overwhelming, and we don 't have time to go into the depths of all of it, but we are going to highlight four main areas and so throughout these four main areas what we 're going to do is look at the fall, look at the restoration, primarily in Genesis uh, one through three and John nineteen through twenty uh twenty one and then Uh, uh, not exclusively, but primarily, and then we're going to look at the ramifications, like, so what? When does that mean to us? And identify an action step in each point. So it's a little different than the way we normally go about it, but uh, work with us, uh, work with me this morning as we go. I'm going to need a little bit of participation from you, though. Uh, And so it might be like this, amen. Let's just, just this side, you guys, hold on. Uh, this side, amen. 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 That's not bad. Uh, amen. 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 Oh, so much better. Good job. Okay, uh, this side, same thing. You could say amen. Oh, let's go next level. Let's just, let's just practice next level. You don't have to do this later, but we're going to practice next level. That'll preach. You try it. That'll preach. That's horrible. We'll start basic then. Amen. amen. That'll preach. There you go, all right, all right. Uh, a little bit of interaction today would be good and appropriate and also very helpful, at least for this pastor. Thank you, friends. Amen. <laughs> yeah, y'all. right, well, let's just jump right in. Let's just jump right in with the fall in the garden versus restoration in the garden tomb again. The garden was supposed to produce fruit. It was supposed to give life, but it doesn't. There is death in that place. It's a surprise as you're reading through the scripture, the fact that death comes from this sort of place where there is this communion with God in beautiful and very specific ways is a shocker. And then you go to the New Testament and you see this this Jesus who is identified as the Christ, the Messiah, the coming one, the blessed one, the one who is the hope of Israel. And there is this Jesus and he's in a tomb. God is in a tomb he's dead what, that doesn't even make sense and then he bursts forth the resurrection and there's life in a tomb and it's a surprise but we don't want to miss it because the ramifications of that affects us and actually how we work and how work can be worship so let's look at this Genesis chapter 3 starting in verse 6 so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food lust of the flesh that it was a delight to the eyes, lest the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. Pride of life, she took of its fruit and ate, and she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. There is something that occurs here that is a surprise, and it is the fall. It was not the intention uh, that that would be where humanity uh, would fall. Like, the goal is to be in communion with God, in a relationship with God, to know God, to walk with God, but that's not what happens here, and it's a surprise. And what enters into the world is death. And the framework of this death is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And we see that framework throughout the scriptures woven, in fact, to the point that that becomes our default. So when we're talking about work as worship, know that when we're leaning into death, even death at work, uh, we're talking about The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We see that manifest because we're looking for something aside from God. Let's keep going, though, because there's restoration in Christ. And it's amazing. It's also a surprise when you're reading this narrative. It's like, what? What is going on? How did this happen? I can't believe that God subjected himself to this, that he was willing to go through that kind of punishment, that I could have life, and that he does it in such a surprising way. Sorry, I'm a little excited. Did you say amen? Amen. Okay, I was just checking. Uh, Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener. By the way, if you have your pens and if this is your Bible and not the church ones, uh, go ahead and underline it or highlight that word gardener. She said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. There is this empowered by the Holy Spirit, God Uh, is communicating to his people that there is restoration that is taking place. Where there was death in the garden, there is life in the tomb. And that the one who is bringing this life is none other than God in the flesh. So what might the ramifications of this be? What's at least one ramification of this? If uh, God intended the garden to be a place of life, but God gives us uh, life even in a garden tomb, what, what might the ramification of that be? Well, let me make a suggestion to you that God might place us anywhere. God might have us anywhere. He might, he might place us in a garden and he might place us in a tomb-like place and I'll, I'll come back to that in a moment. In Genesis chapter two, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. God purposely put mankind in the garden so that he would be in relationship with him but in John chapter 19 something else happens now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had been had yet been laid so because of the Jewish day of preparation since the tomb was close at hand they laid Jesus there So Jesus, God in the flesh, is in the tomb to give relationship and life. Could happen in the garden, was supposed to happen in the garden, but it also happens in the tomb. God can place us anywhere. And we might be in places where there is life, there is great fellowship, even at work or even at home. Whatever your situation is, wherever you have the opportunity to serve uh, is an opportunity to worship. And in those places, it might produce a lot of fruit. There's also opportunity for death there. But the reality is, God placed us there. Similarly, in John chapter 19, God, God placed his son in the tomb. The principle is spelled out in Acts chapter 17, verse 26, where uh, Paul is talking to the Athenians on uh, Mars Hill. He says, about God having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling. The reality is God places people exactly where God wants people for a specific time that they would know God and walk with him. That is a principle that we see in the Old Testament fulfilled in Jesus and spelled out even in Acts. That principle continues on. So here's what I'm saying. Where you are right now is where God has you. That's what I'm saying. And sometimes where God has us is in a toxic work environment or a school system that that isn't perpetuating godly uh, characteristics. And, and God has us in those places that day for a reason. And God placed us there. Additionally, uh, Additionally, there are some action steps for us to consider because just because God has us there that day doesn't mean that that's where we're supposed to be always and forever. So let's consider this action step. And the action step is just this. Uh, And it's based on uh, Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. God knows us. He's watching us. He's aware of us. So we stop. And I would say regularly, daily, asking God, God, where do you want me to work? At home, then at home. In school, then at school. At this particular profession and that particular profession. Today, where do you want me? Is this changing? If it is changing, show me. If it's not changing, then help me to be steadfast and faithful. It's important for us to remember this. Jesus sweat blood. It wasn't comfortable. And it was exactly where the Father had him. Jesus going to the cross says, Father forgive them for they know not what they do as they've abused him and beat him. And that's exactly where the Father has him. There are going to be times where we're in places and situations that that doesn't necessarily feel good But that's exactly where God has us, to produce life. More on that in a moment. Let's look at the second point. The second point. The fall due to the work of humankind versus the restoration due to the work of God. So in the garden, we see everything is laid out. It's set out perfectly. There is an opportunity for humankind to exist with God and serve the Lord in a worshipful way. And yet, they choose to be like God instead of being with God. And in that place where they choose to be like God, they produce death. The fruit of that is death. And so that's the work of humankind. But God restores, God shows up in the flesh. And and we don't wanna miss that because again, this is the juxtaposition of the garden and the tomb. So what do we see? Uh, sorry, I got ahead of myself real quick. Let's let's read uh, three seventeen. And to Adam he said, "Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded commanded you, you shall not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life." There 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 were like seven guys in the first service nudging their wife, saying, "See, uh, when we listen to our wives, this is what's happened." I shut that down immediately. I just want you to know that. Shut that down. Nope, we absolutely, that is, not, that is not the point of the passage, right? But what we can say is that we have this ability to sin and fall short of the glory of God. But God has a work to do. And let's take a look at this work. In John chapter 19, verse 30. Jesus had received the sour wine. He said, it is finished. The idea behind this is it's paid in full. Amen. (laughs) It is paid in full. The work that Jesus did right there is paid in full. It was something that humankind could not do. It's something that God in the flesh does. And it's important for us to recognize that we have this ability to mess things up. And God has this ability to restore. So what of that? What do we do with that? What is the ramification of that reality? Well, the ramification is we can trust God to restore. You may find yourself at school this week, at work this week, at home this week, recognizing that there are people around you or maybe even yourself where you've fallen short, where the fruit of what you have done or what they have done is death. And we can lean into the fact that God wants to do a restorative work in this place. And that if we would walk in faith, if we would trust him, He may do something very remarkable. First Peter 5.10, this principle comes to life. And ultimately, he's talking about the ultimate fulfillment here, but the principle is there. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That is the work of God. And God, I would suggest, is at work already. He's at work in your toxic environment. He's at work in a way that, um, that if we would have faith, if we'd be willing to trust him, we might see an amazing miracle. So what do we do with this? Well, let's actively ask God to restore. So in those toxic places, Lord, would you restore? Would you do a work in this place? Would you do a work in my home? Would you do a work in my school? Would you do a work within my work? And let me join you in that place. Isaiah 61:4. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Again, I'm talking about the principle that's speaking to a specific people about a specific topic, but the principle is this, God restores. God restores. And he wants to work in those spaces. And we get the opportunity to actively join him in that place. Thirdly, Selfishness accompanies the fall Verse sacrifice accompanying the restoration. Chapter 3, verse 4 and 5, Genesis. But the serpent said to the woman, Now, now listen to him. He's sly. He's tricky. Listen to his words. You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Did you catch all the use? Satan takes their eyes off of God and onto themselves. And that's when the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life captivate Eve and tempt Adam to the point where they sin against God. Now watch that in comparison to Jesus' work. Jesus in uh, chapter 19, verse 30, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Look at the yielding, the sacrificial nature of that Jesus, the God in the flesh, willing to bow his head and give up his spirit. Jesus wasn't murdered, he gave his life. And that's an important distinction for us as followers of Christ, recognizing that God might call us to sacrifice. And that sacrifice is going to look a lot of different ways. In fact, that takes us to the ramification. And the ramification is to have a serve others type of attitude. Now, what do I get out of this? What is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life for me in this situation? But rather, God, how do you want me to give myself up for you? Matthew 20, 26 through 28 says, it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Do you, do you see this, that God shows up in the flesh and he serves? He serves in ways that we we can't possibly, but yet he still calls us sacrificially to that same thing, which brings us to that action step to serve others. Go beyond just the attitude, being mindful of it. Yes, I'm, I'm seeing this, but now where do I serve? How do I serve others in the midst of this? Recognizing that sometimes it's going to feel like I'm in a tomb. A place that maybe is producing death. God wants to use to produce life. And the resurrection power of Jesus indwells us who have called on his name. And in those places and in those spaces we get the opportunity to serve. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. And that's what we're called to. To serve one another. Again... It's the juxtaposition of the garden, where when we walk in the lack of faith, we produce death. Or the tomb, even in a tomb, life can be produced as we, in faith, follow Jesus. Let's look at the fourth point together. There's death as a result of the fall versus life that is the result of restoration. Restoration. Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. In the midst of this fall, there is a curse, and that curse is you're gonna work hard and get little return. And it's gonna be a daily grind for you. Sounds painful. But Jesus does a rest- restorative work. When Jesus' friend Lazarus dies, his sisters come to him. And they have questions. And Jesus does some things that, uh, like, why did you do it that way, Jesus? You could have been there before Lazarus died. And and you held up. Uh, You could have stopped this from happening. You could have spoken a word from a distance. You knew this. And you didn't stop it. But in the restorative work of Christ, who knows better than we do, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Then he says, do you believe this? What a great question for us to ask today. Do you believe this? Do you believe that in the midst of staring at death that God can produce life? Do you believe that in that place of pain and hurt that God might actually have you there for a reason and that it can produce life? Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus can work in those places? Do you believe it? Jesus calls us to those places. It's restorative. And it's also painful. Painful. So the ramification of this is just, in fact, no matter where you are, life can be the fruit. At home, in a school, at work, with believers, or with toxic people, there can still be fruit. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is the sustainer of our life. He is the sustenance. And in that respect, we are what we eat. As we follow Jesus, as we participate in his life, and we produce life. So, what might the action step be in those places? Strive with God against the devil. There's one faith practice I especially appreciate. On a daily basis, as they go out the door, they have a prayer as they go. And the prayer, at least in part, is, uh, is to uh, renounce Satan and his work in their life. I, I appreciate that. Just the mindfulness that we're in the spiritual battle. And in the midst of the spiritual battle, uh, Satan has no desire for us to be obedient to God. And our flesh leans into Satan's desire to not be obedient to God. So we have to thrive together uh, with the Spirit. We recognize that Satan's job description is clear in John 10.10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he's going to do. When, when we see those things happening, steal, kill, destroy, when we see that type of, of uh, attitude, actions, fruit, we know that Satan has been at work. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. In the midst of those places where Satan comes to destroy, what happens when God's people step in? Let me suggest there is life. What a great opportunity for us to work as worship, to bring what was supposed to happen in the garden to a place of life, even in a tomb. What a beautiful picture that God has us in. And very purposefully. And that might look a lot of different ways for us. Very honestly and very frankly. For you students. uh, You may be in a tough spot. uh, Where you're hearing something dynamically different. Shouted at you. In a school system. Whether that's from peers or others. There's a message that certainly doesn't sound the same as that of God. What do you do? Let me suggest that there is life in those places that can be had. And as we trust the Lord, as we speak about God in those places, as we, in faith, lean into him, watch and see what he does. You may be tempted uh, uh, because of pressure to cheat, as an example. But God has something better. What happens when we lean into him in faith and trust him? How about for us at work? There's a reality that there, there are some people, perhaps even in your own work, maybe even in your own home, that, that doesn't like you. like You just can't get along with them. It's frustrating. And your temptation is to respond in kind. But what God might be calling us to, in fact, what God is calling us to, is to love despite that, uh, to obey him. Well, you don't understand, Kenny. Yep, you're right. I don't. But I also see the example of Jesus at the cross. Didn't feel good, it wasn't easy, but he did it. And he did it joyfully, but for the joy set before him, he went to the cross. What might happen if we offered our spaces of work as an opportunity to worship, recognizing that the destruction that occurred at the fall that many still live in, and by default we may want to, we choose faith over fear, and we walk in faith in those spaces and share Christ with our actions and also with our words. Watch what happens. Watch the transformation occur. What we saw earlier is creation and the fall, and then a pointing forward to Jesus. And what John gives us is the restoration. We were created in his image, but we're sinners. We've sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus showed up that we could have life. And for those who would repent and call on Christ, That abundant life is not just available, it's experience, it's the expectation of the believer. The worship team is going to come out, and as they come out, I want to encourage us to be preparing our hearts for communion, to consider the garden restored in Christ. We come together for the bread, the body that was broken, the blood that was shed. Communion at uh, Friendship Church is specifically uh, for believers, but we, we practice what's called open communion, which means you don't have to be a member of Friendship Church, but you, we do ask that you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We encourage you to go to the carpeted areas, to go to the station nearest you, get both elements, and then return to your seat, and at the end of the next worship song, we'll participate together. Uh, Pastor Jason will lead us and we'll participate together. But it's a a good opportunity for us right now in this moment to ask the question, am I offering work as worship? Am I experiencing life or am I producing death? That's That's the challenge as we go into communion. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we need you. We thank you and we praise you. We ask, oh Lord, that you would be exalted and lifted up in the things that we do and say, We're thankful, Lord, for you. We're thankful, Lord, for the fact that you restore, that there is continuity throughout the scriptures, not just of creation and a fall, but continuity in that you offer life and restoration. And we would ask for that today, complete, that even as we go to work from this place, we would serve you and worship you in all things.